0: Welcome to the 87th episode of the Young Terps Podcast from the Viner Fourgate Studio. This is your host, Mason Viner. And your co-host, Jordan Viner. And on today's episode, we're talking Maryland's loss to Michigan State, some more football coaching news, and much more. But Before we get to all that, this podcast is brought to you by Allied Party Rentals. Your hometown Terrapin party rental resource. Allied has what you need. Whether you're hosting a large wedding, putting together a small luncheon, or setting up a street festival. Allied has the tents, chairs, linens, china, and other accessories that you're looking for. Wayne from Terp Talk has known Donnie at Allied since 1995. Located right next to College Park and serving the entire DMV, contact Allied today for a free, no obligation quote, at 301-986-0067, or visit them at alliedpartyrentals.com. Jordan, now for the Terrapin Rundown.
1: Well, to kick things off, as always, on the non-rev report. The Lady Chirps took on Penn State at the Xfinity Center on Sunday. They won by a score of 79-67 in front of the second-largest crowd of the season.
0: Yes, yeah, Super Superhero Day definitely brought in the crowd, didn't it, Jordan?
1: I guess it did. Um, they won on ESPN, two, but unfortunately, because of their loss to MSU earlier in the week, they died down the AP poll to number 11 out of the top 10. Yeah, I mean... You can only win the games you play. They already lost to Michigan State. They yep. beat Penn State. And that's kind of it.
0: Yeah, um, I definitely agree. They're a young team. And let's face it, they, again, they're a young team. It's, it's just, it's not going to immediately work out. It really looked strong during the season. I still have a lot of faith in them now. But you're starting to see the lumps. You're starting to see everything that's, Wrong, and it kind of got exposed in the Michigan State game. It kind of got exposed in, I'm forgetting what team, one of the, the earlier Rutgers games. Game. What would you say?
1: The Rutgers game, I believe.
0: Yeah, the Rutgers game got exposed a little bit. So they just got to keep working. You know, Brenda's going to keep working with the team. You know, that they are all in. They're not going to go away. They're not going to fade this season. Uh, moving right along, gymnastics lost a very, very close match to Illinois on the road by a score of 194.95 to 195.075. They will move on to host Michigan on Saturday. And Jordan, I think we're going to need some non-ref Todd help with the gymnastics.
1: Yeah, although all I can say is I know that's a very close score, but I don't know anything else. And it wasn't on social
0: media. It wasn't really like a negative reaction. To this, they were seemed very positive, very pleased with the way they performed. And Maryland's definitely, according to someone in the media that really follows gymnastics and really likes it, um, they're looking really strong. They got a young team that can push the top twenty-five. They can make an NCAA tournament. So there's a lot of confidence there. And if they took it positively, then I guess I will.
1: Yeah, there's smart, there's better gymnastics people than I in this industry.
0: Yeah, I definitely concur with that. They will move on to host Michigan on Saturday at 7. Let's move to some football news here. Maryland hired a few more people to its coaching staff starting, and we'll start with the director of recruiting. They hired someone off the Arkansas Razorbacks staff, Taylor Edwards, who helped the Razorbacks land the number 22 class in the country last season as the director of recruiting, and he was named to pretty much the same position at Maryland.
1: Well, it's not the same position. It's director of scouting at Maryland, and that's because Maryland already has the director of recruiting they really like. And I can't remember his name right now, but um, Taylor Edwards is only 31 years old, very highly regarded, worked at Alabama with Waxley. Seems like he's well-received.
0: Yes, very well-received. And there is a little bit of a dispute here, and I'm not sure if any of you guys actually know. So according to UM Terps, of course, Maryland Athletics, Taylor Edwards is the director of scouting, but according to him... He is the director of recruiting for Maryland football. So just in case you've seen something different, I really can't, I don't really know which one's which. But they are pretty similar positions, and I think Taylor Edwards is a great fit for wherever that is. Just to speak to what he did at Arkansas, they obviously had their best recruiting class in history, number 22 in the country. They brought in a lot of great talent in a program that really wasn't doing so hot. So pretty similar to Maryland. Obviously Arkansas, a little bit be- bigger stadium, a little bit better college town, definitely. Actually, I'm not sure about better fan support. They did have a lot of empty seats this season. But Arkansas is a pretty step up for Maryland, but still did well there, can do well at Maryland.
1: Yeah, that's about it, I think, for him. Uh, the trips also added... Joker Phillips, as new wide receivers coach, replacing Chris Beatty, who's heading up to Pitt. Kind of a bummer that we're losing Beatty, but Joker Phillips has a pretty decent pedigree.
0: So I'll start with losing Chris Beatty. Um, early reports, when we had Dave LaMonaco on right after the hiring of Mike Loxley, he pretty much said it wasn't going to work out with Beatty. He said we'll have to see, but it's, it's really unlikely, as he did with... Um, Czar. He said both of them. It was, you know, kind of a toss up, but it didn't really look like it was going to work out too well for what Maryland hoped for the super recruiting staff. But it's still a little bit disappointing. You know, he stuck around for a while. It seemed like it might work out, but it just didn't at the end. And that's we're going to have to face that. We got a new set of recruiters that I think can do very well at Maryland. I know that will definitely bring in some talent, if not a lot. I'm still pretty confident even with the loss of Chris Beatty. Now let's move to Joker Phillips, and this is according to reports. It has not been confirmed by Maryland Athletics yet. So let's just start with the over 30 years that Joker Phillips has had around college and pro football. We'll start with his playing career. He played for Kentucky in college, then he went to the Redskins for a year, then out to the CFL to Toronto for one year, and then back to the Redskins, and then he was out of football as a player. Then he started his coaching career directly after that. He was a graduate assistant at Kentucky. Then he was the assistant recruiting coordinator, the receivers coach. Then he moved to Cincinnati, where he coached both receivers and DBs. Then he went to Minnesota, Notre Dame, South Carolina, back to Kentucky till 2012, then to Florida, the Browns, Ohio State, Cincinnati back to Cincinnati again and then he was hired from Cincinnati to your Maryland Terrapins. He was a head coach a little bit 13 and 24 record and he went to one bowl game and that was a loss. So that's a lot Jordan kind of as you said Matt Canada like.
1: Yeah, I mentioned that earlier. Matt he's actually Matt Canada in that he stops at a lot of places. They usually have success and he moves on. And the only place that really hasn't been true so far is both since Kentucky. The first time he was there from 88 to 96, and the second time he was there from um, 2003 to 2012. So he sticks around his hometown for large chunks of time, but other than that, he seems like a real migrant type.
0: Yeah, but at the end of the day, you're talking about a guy that's coached for a lot of big programs.
1: Absolutely. He coached at Notre Dame, Dame, South Carolina. The Browns, Ohio
0: State. Yeah, he's coached at a lot of big places, but I don't, that holds value to me. But not as much as it does to some. If you look at, you know, the wide receivers that he's produced, I feel like that's really what it comes down to. Um, Randall Cobb definitely comes to mind in his time at uh, Kentucky, the second time. But I really can't name any other ones, and I know Kentucky was not doing very well while he was there. I'm pretty sure he just he survived more
1: than one regime. Well, just looking at the time period and records, it, I would have to assume. so I think that with an experience, he'll probably he's a good guy to lead this receiving core, which is built on fret or I guess built on sophomores now, Dante Dimas, Jason Jones. I know there's others that I'm missing at the moment. Brian Cobbs. Other? Brian Cobbs.
0: Tosh K. Part. The the list goes on and on. It's a young core that has a lot of um talent, but they really they need a true leader in there. And hopefully Joker Phillips is that guy. But let's talk about this from a recruiting standpoint. Chris Beatty was definitely a great recruiter. I know very hit on this. And he recruited Virginia, the 757, he was a big guy there. Um, not really much Northern Virginia, but definitely the Tidewater area. And Florida. Well, I think Maryland has kind of replaced Florida. I'm not sure who's quite going to do it yet. I think um, the new director of recruiting can definitely do some stuff down there. I think that... Um,
1: Well, Sky Montgomery is the Florida guy now. Yeah,
0: that's, that's who I meant to hit on. Thank you, Jordan. Um, I think that's yeah. Scotty Montgomery can definitely take care of Florida, but we're talking about that Virginia area now. Does Joker Phillips have ties to there? Is he a recruiter? I'm not so sure about that. He's not really. Obviously, he's not a super highly touted recruiter. He's not really on any of the um um top recruiting not, rankings. He's okay, not but... gonna
1: find any t- top ten list. But he has been a recruiting coordinator at Kentucky and Florida. That's worth mentioning.
0: So he's been recruiting coordinator at some big-time programs. But you still don't really know much. I think that Mike Loxley's trying to gather a staff that can recruit elsewhere. Obviously, around here, we have pretty much an all-star staff. You have Loxley, Elijah Brooks, Corey Robinson, um, Jordan I'm Blanking.
1: John Papuchas. John Papuchas, The, Papuchis, mean, the, the guy.
0: Head of player personnel whose name escapes me right now. I'm sure it will come back to me during this podcast. But So you have Maryland covered. I'm sure I'm missing some guys too. There's definitely a lot of recruiting that's being done in this area as we speak. So let's talk about the big picture for one second before we get to the loss from last night. Michael Oxley, as we just gave a list of names of guys that are from here... Is trying to get some recruiters elsewhere: Scotty Montgomery, Joker Phillips, um, Anderson, all these different guys into one room and kind of create more than just this area. Because if anything, if there's been any doubt as far as Mike Locks is a recruiter, it's who can he bring in that can do Florida, who can do the Midwest, or who can get us these Big Ten offensive linemen, or you know what el- whatever else you could say. Who can get us the um. Pennsylvania quarterbacks or wherever else their pipelines. And he's kind of taking care of that. He's moving through the staff methodically and slowly, getting the right guys that he believes in to bring the players to this team that will ultimately win games. And I think this is the right step in that direction. I think that um, Joker Phillips can get it done. Maybe stick around here for a while, maybe really get into developing these receivers. We've seen the NFL. He's been to the NFL. He's been to the big college programs. And now he's maybe looking to settle down again into a program that's really trying to build something. And I think he can really be an integral part to that because, Jordan, I know you hit on it. This is a young core that has a ton of talent. Any receivers coach that looks at Maryland probably thinks the whole program might not be able to win right now, But my position group has all the talent that I really need, and I can really do great things within my current guys. And that's a big draw to any position coach, especially one, and I'm not sure if Phillips is one of them, that really wants to climb the ladder, and that's kind of all I got on Joker Phillips.
1: All right, and that is a lot. So, before we get to the game, and just some other news bits here, Ty Johnson, Trey Watson, we're both in the East-West Shrine game. Both performed well. Trey Watson actually got some, a lot of Twitter cred for that in the scouting community, so that's great to see. And the other pro-terp news is, whether well, you like the Patriots or not, and I certainly don't, but J.C. Jackson's doing the Super Bowl, and that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, Trey Watson's really making a name for himself, and if he didn't do that at Maryland where he played, I mean, if you really look at Trey Watson's body of work, the interceptions, the fumbles, being able to pass cover when he really wasn't supposed <laughs> to be able to, he did a lot at Maryland and really showed why being a grad transfer really gives you the opportunity to do different things and to really prove yourself for the draft. One thing on the Patriots, Jordan, I know you don't like them, but I personally do. And to see a turp on there, just makes it a lot better. It's a lot easier to root for them for those of us that aren't big fans of the LA teams.
1: I really think you're one of the very few people who loves, still likes the Patriots, Mason. I don't know how you can – you okay with the same team you were both three years in a row. Appreciate
0: a the process.
1: Look, I'm a football guy.
0: I love the way football's coached. I love it when it's done right, and they just they do it right.
1: How can you say that? How could because they've been caught cheating many times. That's they've what been doing caught right. cheating two times. Maybe three. One time was, yeah, but one of those times was a span of ten years.
0: I just I like the way it's done. It is a methodical process of, we're going to expose your weaknesses, attack the middle of the field, do different things, and honestly, recently, ever since Gronk kind of got into his injury thing, and um, the player's escaping me right now, but a few of those top level receivers left, Brady hasn't had much, and he's still good, and they're still working through the same thing, and just destroying other teams, and... One more thing on that game from Sunday. Tony Romo really did a great job. I'll just – I have to
1: give him props for that. You and everybody else, but he did do a fantastic job, and it's it's cool to see announcers actually stick out because, man, a lot of them just seem to suck.
0: Yeah, I would have to agree with that. It's it's definitely – it hasn't not I do – I wouldn't say they suck. I would say that there's – kind of a need for the new era and i know you're not really going to find many guys that can do it like tony romo but there's just need for someone that's maybe different is a better word than man they suck the old way of doing
1: it's kind of gotten stale yeah i think it's probably more fair way to say it um but we're getting way off topic here i think it's time to move on to our um main event
0: yeah, and that of course is Maryland's sixty nine to fifty five loss to Michigan State. The first thing that I'll say about this game is if there's one thing that I would have said, I don't know if I said it on this show or not, was Maryland couldn't really get down early. I think I said that I thought the game was gonna go Maryland was gonna be able to keep it close, and then the second half, Michigan State was gonna make a strong push and, you know, run the game really get out, do their thing, play their game with Maryland, kind of throw them around the court for a little bit, and they would end up around, I think I said, a 9-point or 11-point winner. Well, that's kind of not what happened. Um, Maryland came out, they looked flat, and Michigan State was just ready to go.
1: Uh, Michigan State got out to an 18-6 lead early. Maryland just could not make a shot from the field. that They were 3 from 18 when that was the case. And you know, the Terps started to get hot. They tied the game at 20, and then from there on out, it was all MSU. Um, Spartans got an 11-0, run to end the half, and uh, that was kind of all she wrote.
0: Yeah, um, I want to talk about the 20-20 the to 20 tie for a second. Now, I was out walking our dog during the, about the first, I don't know, I think it was 9-2 when I got back inside. And I was like, Oh, this is just not gonna go well. This is going to be a forty point loss, which I had been told kind of jokingly that was gonna happen that Maryland had built up all this hype and they were just gonna fall flat on their face. But I thought it was more there's no way they're losing this game by, you know, a significant like huge amount. They're gonna be able to really fight back and then they started doing it, which also surprised me. Talk about that deep three from Eric Ayella, you talk about um guys like Morcel and being able to create kind of taking steps towards becoming a better player. And I thought for a few minutes there that Maryland's going to just run away with this game in this half. And you know what? I wasn't thinking they were going to win, but there was definitely that thought coming across my mind that maybe they'll make a strong push to build a little bit of a lead and then you'll see what happens from there. But they were definitely at their peak at that point, but then Michigan State was just able to stop it.
1: You, I'm sure you remember this, Mason. You remember when we went out to um, San Francisco to see Maryland play Stanford in the Foster Farmers Bowl?
0: Yeah, and right before that, they had beaten Michigan State in like triple overtime at MSU. Yeah,
1: but that's not I'm focusing on. You remember what Bruce said when Maryland scored a touchdown on the on them?
0: Yeah, it was they made Stanford mad, and I don't think that was a good idea.
1: That's kind of what. I, that's exactly what I thought of as soon as we started to fall apart and Michigan State got hot. After that 20-20 um, point, Michigan State eventually went on a 25-6 to run, make the score 26-45, to and Maryland battled back a little bit, but they just could not get that one more shot to push it to single digits.
0: Yeah, I definitely think that that, that happened. They didn't make that shot. I was texting with a few people after the game, and I was like, man, I really thought they could just... Make a push. Do something. Win some plays. I'm sure, I don't know if I'm really describing it well, but Jordan, you know that I'm a big proponent of when you're down by 17 in a football game or 15 in a basketball game, make some plays. Do the simple things right. Get some, I don't even want to call it momentum, but just get something to put something back in you because you know when you're down in a game, That it's really hard to fight back. Especially, I know, even when we play the video game version of, or even when we play Madden, Jordan, you're like, man, there's just something about being run on in this game. Just takes it out of you. There's something about playing a team like Michigan State that makes you turn the ball over. That runs on you in transition. That has a big man that isn't supposed to be able to shoot that knocks down a three and you're on the road, and you're just getting beaten up. That's probably my biggest word. If I had to use two words or a phrase to describe this game, it would be Maryland got beaten up. Just pounded to a pulp. Could not find another big man that could rebound. That That's kind of it for me.
1: Well, before we get into deeper things here, that's just how... I mean, I don't, actually don't know if I have anything else to say. That's how it was. We were, we were beaten up. We got... Down. We couldn't really make their plays to come back. And this isn't, it's not like we got blown out, really. We just weren't able to push ourselves back in. And this isn't going to be a huge loss for us down the road, I don't think. They're number six, number 13. We'll probably beat Illinois on Saturday and fall to 15 or 16. And honestly, I don't think it's that bad. I would tend
0: to agree with that, but let's go in depth a little bit with it. But before we get into that, this podcast is also brought to you by Maryland Euro Cars. When you're looking for someone to work on your European car, look no further than Maryland Euro Cars. We have a few Audis in the family and some BMWs at the office, and we take our cars to Christian at Maryland Euro Cars. Christian and his team know their way around Audis, BMWs, Mercedes, Bentleys, VWs, and many more makes. Always friendly, courteous, and honest, along with being an extra clean shop, Maryland Euro Cars is the best place to take your European car. And they're the most reasonably priced shop in town. Located in Rockville, you can reach Maryland Eurocars at 301-217-5831. Ask for Christian at Maryland Eurocars at 301-217-5831. And tell them that the Young Terps
1: sent you. I think any conversation that you have about this game starts with Anthony Cowan. Now, we, as we've established between the two of us, Anthony Cowan, is the probably the most important player on the team. He needs to score a lot of points for us to win. And he just, he could not get out of the slump in this game.
0: Yeah, Anthony definitely um, didn't play too well in this game. 3 for 12 shooting, 1 for 6 from 3. Missed his only free throw, which was, to me, a must-make those two shots that he got. It was a 1-1. One one. He needed to make both of them. I think that would have put Maryland within 10, if not somewhere around 11 or 9, somewhere between there. Um, only two boards, which he's kind of gotten hot with rebounding in these past few games. Five assists and, of course, the seven points. Um, on the other end, you have to look at Cassius Winston. 36 minutes for him, 5 for 13, 1 for 5 from 3, 3 for 5 from the line, 14 points, which was tied for the leading scorer for the Michigan State Spartans. He also added seven assists. After the game, I kind of thought that Cowan was beat by Winston. Obviously, those two are, as the broadcast love to bring up, the two dueling for the, whatever they were saying, dueling for the top point guard in the conference. And I just, there was something about Cowan. I think he passed up a three. I think it was kind of late in the second half when the game was pretty much done with. But I was like, you're Anthony Cowan. You need to take that shot. You're that guy for this team that's going to, you know, thrust them back into this game. But he didn't take it. I thought there were a few of those kinds of shots where Maryland just needed someone to take it. I think Ricky Lindo had one in the second half. Like somebody, you're wide open, shoot the ball, shoot your shot because you're not coming back in this game without making a few of those. Did you get any of that, Jordan?
1: It seemed like the Terps were shaken towards the end of the game, end of the very beginning of the game. And they just weren't ready to – they weren't up to the challenge for once. They just didn't look like they were ready to go out there. And no one was ready to win the game for the team. Now, some people tried. Um, Eric Ayala didn't play bad, but he just seemed reluctant to take the lead at any point in the game. He looked injured.
0: He looked a little banged up, and I think that he is. Um, Two for six on the night, five points, six boards, three assists. There was just something off, and I know Maryland's been slow out of the gate against Indiana. I think they were down, I don't know, twenty to eight, something like that, eighteen to eight. Jordan, it was it was around that amount. Doesn't really matter. Yeah, it was somewhere
1: around that. But, but they, I remember, they really shoot their way back into the game in that one.
0: I remember after that game, talking with Wayne and Bruce and some other people that we chat with after the games, and saying, if they're on that road, that game's over. They're not coming back from that. Because in that game, it was a big crowd. People were excited to see them play. It was kind of that game to really prove yourself against a ranked Indiana team that's since as well fallen off since that loss to Maryland. But if you're on the road, that game's over. That's, That's really what I remember. Well, they started like that again. You played against a team that was hot, that was making shots. Didn't make all of them, but they made enough of them to really push off the game. And Maryland started again. You started slow like you did against Ohio State, like you did against Indiana, like you did against Minnesota. And for once, the other team just took it and punched him right in the face with it.
1: I mean, that's a fair way to look at it. Um, the freshman big men, Jalen Smith and Ricky Lindo, both uh, honestly, I gave it to forget.
0: Yeah, for Lindo, he missed that three-pointer. That would have been a big shot if he made it. He got fouls. He was thin in this game he's been able to work his way around with that athleticism and hard work. But just when you talk about Michigan State, it's the same thing. They're not really they're not athletic, but they work hard. They fight on the glass. They're not afraid of you. And I think you saw that with how just they were beating Maryland up when half of those should have been fouls, but they just weren't calling them. Cuz that's how Michigan State plays and I don't really think that's an excuse if I'm a referee. I mean, that bald referee, every time I see a Maryland game with him, I'm like, it just becomes hard to watch. I know multiple people were calling him out on Twitter, but he doesn't really call those fouls. He's kind of what made the Big Ten like that. He's one of those guys that just doesn't call the fouls. And as soon as Maryland saw that he was refing the game, they should have said, okay, guys, we know this guy. We've seen him. He's refed our games. We're not getting those fouls tonight. But Michigan State used that to their advantage. They played hard. That play at the end of the game where Marcel went up to dunk the ball and was body slammed by Gones was an awful foul. That is where if I'm the coach, I get thrown out of the game. You're not going to do that to one of my players and then give that little, oh, he smacked the ball out of his hand. No, he body slammed him. And I'm not really going to say a lot about Mark Turgeon. I know the really, the negatives were out there against him. They were loving this game, and if this game happened after they lost to Seton Hall, I would probably be one of them, but Maryland's really picked it up, and they had a bad game with their freshmen on the road in an environment that, yes, they played on the road, but this is a game where the Breslin Center is not an easy place to play. The students surround the court. It gets really loud down there. It's one of those buildings where the sound bounces off. They have metal bleachers in the upper deck. It's a tough place to play, so I'm not really going to jump on Turgeon, but that is the one point where the coach needs to get a technical foul and just needs to say that I'm not taking that because that game, it's
1: over. Get thrown out. But you can't let that happen to your players, can you? And that was Mason's rant of the day, I believe. Um, You you made a lot of good points, though. A, the game was refed horribly. Like, they they were just fouls down low, and Maryland was hitting the floor a lot for there to be not fouls. I have it somewhere. I need to find this note that I made. Um, shoot, here we go. The first free throws of the game weren't for 14 minutes in the first half, so they were not gonna. They weren't gonna call fouls. Yeah, Maryland was probably a little bit rattled on the road. They weren't prepared to play in this type of physical game, and that maybe it's on the coach. Maybe it's on the refs. I don't know who to blame that one for. And, well, can
0: I can I give a note on that? Yeah, sure. Look at Maryland's team. Just Jalen Smith, the starting five is pretty good. I mean, Jalen Smith's a bit thin. He gets pushed around just a little bit. But then you go to the bench, and you look at the guys they played. Bender, we all know he can do some good things, most of them with passing the ball. I know a lot of you don't really think he belongs out there, but they need to give him three or four minutes a game. It's just it's where we are. Lindo, we all know he's a little bit thin. He's really played hard. He's really played punched above his weight. In this league so far. Sorrell Smith, same way. He's really thin, really... They're freshmen. There's not much else to say other than they're freshmen. Aaron Wiggins isn't the most physical player. You got your guys. You got Bruno, you got Ayala, you got Morsell, and you got and Those are your scrappy guys. And really, I mean, Michigan State's all about that, so that's my note on that. Please continue.
1: Alright, well, let's... Um, I think we talked to a lot about this game, but let's push through the roster real quick. We need to talk about Bruno Fernando because despite his stat line of 12 points, 13 rebounds, he did not play well in my opinion.
0: Oh, that's a hard one for me to talk about. Bruno brings it. And you know what? Maryland need more guys to play like Fernando in this game. Fernando wasn't taking it. Fernando fights back. He got Nick Ward into the foul trouble. He did like I almost want to say what he needed to do. Obviously, I feel like you really can't say that. He probably needed to take over this game and drop 30 if he was ever going to do it. Maybe hit that one three that he took that was really wide open. I was begging him to take him the whole game, and then he missed. I was like, yeah, that's probably why I didn't take it. He got Nick Ward in foul trouble. He did good things, but at the end of the day, Bruno's just... He's not giving you the 40 minutes and the 28 points... And the 20 rebounds. He might do it once or twice, and this game would have been fantastic to do it. Michigan State just has such a rotation of big men that you really got to see. They really display that they have a lot of big men. And they really kind of beat down on Bruno.
1: I just, he turned the ball over a lot. He wasn't playing great defense down low. I just didn't love his performance. I really, we needed him a countertaker of the game, and that you are right in that regard. And they just didn't. And that's kind of, I was kind of story. Like no one else on this team, unfortunately, at the moment, except for Sticks in a couple games, has the ability to take over a game. And we saw Aaron Ruggins kind of try, tried about 13 times, made five threes, six rebounds, but he just he doesn't have the driving skills to do it. I don't know what else to say about it. We just we need a hero in this game, really, and no one was going to be that. Not yet. I'm sure one.
0: I'm. You see, what I will say about this game. If it was learning. Some of the points that I hit on, I think the way Turgeon's done it this year, they will definitely notice on the film. Because if you really watch Maryland so far this season, you notice the little things that they've changed. Early in the season, nobody wanted to really take a shot. Jordan, we really talked about that in depth. Someone had to really step up, and then you saw Cowan do it. You look at the the end-of-the-game situations or the fact that they ran an inbounds play in this game, and you say, well, they adjusted to it. They've done more than they've done in the past, and I think what you will take away from this game as far as learning is when we're down 15 on the road and Ricky or Bruno or Cowan or really anybody, maybe not Bruno, actually. I'll change that, or Bender. You got to take that three. You got to own it. You got to step up right there and make that play and I think that's what T- coach Turgeon's going to say I think that's what he's going to take away from this but the one thing that I really didn't like from Turgeon in this game one they weren't really pushing back on transition when they're getting beaten transition you got to say first guy Cowan Ricky Wiggins whoever it is you got to get back to the paint and then you got to turn around you don't turn around maybe you look back over your shoulder and make sure that no one's going to dunk on you or maybe even not that, you get back to the middle of the paint and then you turn around. That's basic basketball. The other thing is, in a game like this against Michigan State, who has Tillman, Ward, Goins, um, they definitely had some other guys down low, Henry, Ricky Lindo, and Bender cannot be on the floor at the same time. Sticks wasn't playing well, but Sticks needs to be out there. He needs to own it. He needs to take that chance. And I know he's not the toughest guy. I know he's not the, well, the toughest guy is not really the way to put it. He's not the biggest guy right now. He likes to get physical, but just he's just not the biggest guy. But he has to take that feature center spot and say, you know what, Bender or Ricky, let's go out there and let's own these next three minutes, and then Bruno can come back in. But it cannot be Bender and Ricky Lindo in a game against Michigan State. Maybe sometimes you can get away with that. It was getting exposed early against Ohio State, and he never went back to it. But against Michigan State, with the bigs they had, that was just, frankly, the wrong move.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And, like, this was the game of the year in the Big Ten. So far, they said in the broadcast, and it's true, this was the biggest game of the season so far. And, yeah, we lost. We probably could have played better. We had a punching chance towards the end, but... You know what? Learn from it, move on, and we got some big games in a few weeks. We play Michigan, I think, what end of middle of February, somewhere around there.
0: So um, that's that's the at Michigan game. The home Michigan game I know is March third.
1: Yeah, we play at Michigan in a few weeks. That's going to be another game like this where we're probably going to be a marquee matchup, and you need to bring it for that one. So hopefully, they can learn well, from this. And okay. Hold on.
0: You kind of skipped down to that Michigan game. But you got to be ready. I mean, you got to win these next two. Illinois and Northwestern. Pick it up, get some momentum, maybe some blowouts. The Illinois game's kind of looking dicey because of what we're talking about in a minute. Um Northwestern you got a potential for a big Tuesday night crowd. Hopefully that people will get into this team even though it didn't beat Michigan State. And then you go at Wisconsin at Nebraska, home against Purdue, at Michigan, at Iowa. That's five games. You could easily lose the first two road games against games you barely won at home on the road. And we all know the road flips the script. Even though Maryland's looked a little bit better on the road than they have at home, maybe not recently, but definitely earlier on, those are two road games that are rough. And then you come home against the Purdue team, and Maryland's really edging for that game. You could hear it. um, If any of you listened to Johnny Holiday pregame, Bruno was talking about how they let that Purdue game go. They should have won. I like that he says that. I like that expectation. But another game that, you know, a few balls bounced the wrong way even though you're at home and you still lose. And then back-to-back games against top 20 teams on the road. So these next five could be really tough
1: little, um, tough stretch against at Wisconsin, at Nebraska, etc. We play Illinois Northwestern. Illinois is next in Madison Square Garden for a, quote, home game. And let's be frank, Mason. Illinois is probably the worst team in the Big Ten.
0: Yeah, let's take, um, a minute here to look at who the I have played this season and how they have fared. Um, let's just start from the beginning because they're 5-13, and 13, they're 13th in the league, they're 1-6 and six in the Big Ten. Well... They started the season off with a win 99-60 to against, um, is it Evansville? The Evansville Aces, yes. And then they lost the next four games against really all big-name programs. They lost to Georgetown, Gonzaga, Iowa State, Xavier. Then they beat Missouri Valley State. Then they lost to Notre Dame, Nebraska, Ohio State. They came back with back-to-back wins against UNLV in eastern Tennessee. And they lost to Mizzou, FAU, Indiana, Northwestern, Michigan. They got one win in the Big Ten over Minnesota. And then they lost their most recent game at the Iowa Hawkeyes. They will take on Wisconsin on the 23rd. And then they will move to play Maryland on Saturday. Um, the one thing that you notice looking through it is they give up a lot of points. They average giving up 75.4 points per game, which is 268 in the nation. So it's
1: been a struggle for Illinois. Yeah, I don't really know what to say much or say about them because they've played a incredibly tough schedule. Yeah. So you got to kind of lowest factor for that, but also they haven't shown anything in any of these games really. They lost to FAU at home. They blew out Mich- Minnesota in a shocking result, I'm sure, for them. And other than that, I don't see any reason to be afraid of them, which makes me afraid of them.
0: <laughs> yeah, it did the same for me, especially after it just seemed like the players were a little bit disappointed in the way they played, that they need to bounce back against Illinois, and again, the upper deck is closed for this game at Madison Square Garden. The lower deck is almost actually sold out. But you really don't know what the attendance is going to be, especially with Illinois struggling. It could be another dead environment, which I really, as I expressed before that Ohio State game, don't like Maryland in those dead environments. Um, One more thing, and you said, you know, they played a tough schedule and all that. I don't know how many of you know this, but Illinois had, like, the number five recruiting class or so before the season. Really? And then they fired, is it, it's not, what's that guy, the meanest looking coach in the Big Ten. And that guy really, like, he really got into it. I really cannot remember his name right now. I'm looking it up, but keep going and then all, I believe, all or next to all of them left the class. Maybe they kept uh, one. Yeah, John Groys. Yes, that guy. And then they lost almost all of the class. And it went downhill because, as everyone knows, basketball—it's really hard to get a late recruiting class. So it's really been—it's been tough. And they've really gone through it this year. They're five again, five and thirteen. But I really. I look at the schedule that they have, and I see only maybe one or two games that I think they should have won. I mean, FAU, I think they should have won that game. And maybe you would expect them to pull one other one out. But look at how hard the schedule is. I mean, come on. That's brutal.
1: It's hard to make excuses for them because you lost those many games. Yeah, you played tough schedule, but if you were a good team, you should have won some of those games, right? So... I guess we'll give you some post to watch out.